tell you, when I came into the sanctuary, I understand now, sanctuary, place of honesty, place of transparency, and look like I can hold it together until I get in here. It's a place of, here's something else about the sanctuary, it's a place of emotional honesty, because you'd be surprised how we try to hold it together, we try to maintain a stiff upper lip, but then we come into the sanctuary of the Lord, we a place of transparency. We worship God. We open our hearts to Him. And then the Lord is postured to express through us the way we really feel and what's really going on on the inside of us. In fact, many people avoid that because they don't want to be that transparent. They don't want people to see that side of them. But I thank God for this environment, this where at an an environment where we're loved, an environment where we can be honest and transparent. Even when we hurt, we can say we hurt. We can say that when pain is is strong, we feel pain. We can say, well, I'm in pain right now. But then in this same environment, he turns our mourning into dancing. He changes things. In fact, as he speaks his word, things begin to shift and things begin to change all around us and within us. So this morning I'm going to talk about, uh, last week uh, I was talking about uh, the saints and what it means to be a saint. And today the Lord was impressing on my heart to talk about the heart and soul of the saint. As we look at times that are changing, seasons that are changing. I like those songs. All of it's fed and fit into that area of understanding the changes that are occurring all around us. Time change, seasons change. But here's another part. People change. People change. You're not the same person that you were, I would say, last year. And, and you're not the same person. You will not be the same person that you are now in the future. Because things are changing, we are changing, seasons are changing. Now, we may change our methodology. In fact, as we begin to see what's happening within our culture, methodologies may change. But things, there are some principles that remain the same, regardless of how we may change our methodologies. But the thing that God wants us to do is to be more keenly aware of the changes that are occurring in our day. You know, that, that's what he's, he's saying to us. He wants us to be spiritually sensitive so that when these shifts take place within life, we are positioned to interpret them rightly so that we'll know what we, as the people of God, ought to do. As sons of Issachar, we know what we ought to do because in our day there has been cultural shifts. Cultural shifts. The whole culture is different. And uh, when we understand that, then we can become keenly aware as to how to position ourselves in the midst of all these changes. So God has given us assignment. We talk about saints. The assignment is God's assignment to us as saints. The Bible speaks of it in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. It talks about the equipping of the saints. 
Listen to what the scripture says. He talks about, he's given some apostles, you know the whole story. But he's given us these gifts, or given us as gifts, for the equipping of the saints so that we can be engaged in the work of the ministry. And then he goes on to say, for the edifying of the building up of the entire body of Christ so that the body of Christ can be stable and, and, and not shifting from to and fro by every wind of doctrine. When somebody says something, then the body shifts in the direction of the winds and waves of culture. But if anything ought to be stable in this day is the body of Christ. And only way for you to be stable and be stabilized is that you must understand the Word of God and that Word must be rightly divided so that you can be secure. So I like that song, uh, the ch a charge to keep I have, a God to glorify, an ever-dying soul to save that's fitted for the sky. But here's the part, to meet this, to serve rather. Thank you. Thank you, Doc. To serve this present age, to serve this present age, help me now, my calling to fulfill, may in it all my powers engage. Am I right now? To do my master's will. Thank you. So in this, we are here to meet the needs of this present age. We're here and, and, and understand, we talk, I'm going to talk about conversion this morning, what it really means to be converted, but understand what has happened. We live in a converted world. You, you know, conversion is not just saints who are converted, saved from sin, saved from uh, the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and, and all of that. But you realize the world is converted. We talk about the changes that's taking place within culture. This world has been converted. It has been converted, not as it was originally, but it has become today what it has become over time. It has evolved into becoming or morphed into becoming what it is today. We live in a topsy-turvy world. What ought to be up now is down. What ought to be down is up. In other words, we look at the world as upside down. We live in an upside down world. But we mentioned we're coming to the house of the Lord, the sanctuary of God, so that we become aware of the state of the world. We know what's happening. And at the same time, awareness of the state of the people that occupy this world in these times. You see, what's happening within the world and what's happening to the people, that's within the world. We are called now, this is why we are called as saints. We are the chosen of God to make a difference in all these things that's happening. But who are the called and who are the chosen in this day and in this hour? Now, in this, I want you to understand something else that you probably hadn't given enough thought to. I hadn't, but I'm thinking about it now. The things that happen to us that reinforces the resistance that resides within the soul. You realize everything in the world is there to reinforce the resistance, for us to stand, for that to become, uh, I, I would say, we press against it, but that resistance becomes more difficult to overcome and manage today than ever. The Bible says that the whole world lies, what, under the sway of the wicked one. So in other words, uh, we look at every part of culture now is, is established to provide resistance is established to provide resistance. Let me talk about the kingdoms of this world. They're established 
to provide resistance. So in other words, the devil is doing what the devils do, what the devil do. Demons are doing what demons do. You see, the, the, the systems of the world is doing what the systems of the world do. So we are facing this resistance every step of the way. And, and, and this is why Christ has come. This is why Christ has come. We are on the eve of moving into the Christmas season, but this is why Christ has come. He has done to leave us without an excuse. We don't have an excuse because the provisions have been made for us to break through that resistance. However, what we observe oftentimes provide many with what they consider to be excuses. Well, I can't do it because this is where the world is. This is what's happening now. You see, but, but understand, through Christ, all of our excuses have been done away with. You see, you were born into this life, but you were not born into this life to be as you currently are. That's why it's important that you be born again, born again, born again. And we talk about saints. We're talking about salvation. We talk about conversion. We're talking about the significance of being saved. So the primary part, here's something else I want you to understand. Uh, last Sunday, praise God for all of the healings. How many received uh, a healing on last week? How many of you received? Look, look at the hands. Look at the hands of the people that God touched on last week, that God touched on last week. And there are many more that God began to move through this house. And we're going to pray again today because we're trusting in this day and hour, we're going to see more and more of God's hand move among us than we've seen, ever seen before. But understand what is happening. But the greatest part of deliverance ministry it's not the laying on of hands as we've seen it and, 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 and the miracles that we uh, are experiencing, but the greatest part of, of, of deliverance is the right or the accurate presentation and application of God's Word. Do you realize His Word has been given to us to deliver us? Do you see that? God speaks His Word and you're set free. From all these encumbrances that keep you locked in so that you're not postured to fully participate in what God is doing. In fact, not only that, the mindset, even the design passion is of such that you don't want anything less. You don't want anything more than that, which is self-destructive. You settle into that, and it's happening all over the world. So now we look at the whole thing of saints. Who are the saints? Who are the saints? Who are the saints? What does that word really mean? Saints are not those that have died and uh, they, they, were, uh, they lived and they, I think in the Catholic Church, they performed a miracle and after they died, then they are pretty much elected to serve and they are, are elected to the position of sainthood. But the saint, listen to this now, the saint is one who is separated or set apart for God's exclusive use. You're separated. You're separated. You see, when he separates you, he separates you so he can teach you something. There's some things he wants you to know that the world doesn't know. There's some things that you understand. It's been given to you to know. The mysteries of the kingdom. He gives you something. He places something within you that the world doesn't know. Neither does the world understand Therefore, you are different from the rest of the world. But here's another part. The world doesn't understand you. 
They don't understand what you know, but they also don't understand you. So in other words, it's a miracle that you're here. I look at the people that won't receive and the people that doesn't hear, the people that doesn't understand, but it's a miracle that any understand. It's a miracle that any know. So the, uh, the miracle is that God postures you so that the Word becomes sensible to you. You're positioned. Blessed are your ears for they hear. Blessed are your eyes that they see. So the blessing has already come. We talked about blessings last week. You're already blessed when you have a heart that's directed towards God and the things of God become sensible to you. That's a miracle in of itself that God would position you whereby you have a hunger and thirst for the standard of righteousness. You desire what God is offering. Your desire, your passion is to receive more and more of what the Lord has made available to you. That's a miracle in itself. So saints are separated. You see, but here's the other part. Now that you're separated, you're consecrated. He consecrates us. You're consecrated. And then, as a result of being consecrated, you see, now you become devoted to the things of God. That's why, you see, He separates us, but then we separate ourselves. We consecrate ourselves. We're set apart, and then we, then we devote our lives to Him. We're devoted to God and His work. Our desire is to see the works of God accomplished in our day. His work, the works of God. And, 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 but here's another part I want you to understand. As we are separated, as we are set apart for God's exclusive use, here's the clicker now. Here's the clincher. You then are tested. You're tested. You're tried. And when you're tested and you're tried, that's where I would say a degree of separation occurs even all the more because those who pass the test can then enter into a degree of His glory. But those who fail the test at that particular point, even though they have heard the Word of God, they do not continue any further. So understand, so when we're tested and tried, it's not to destroy you, but to prove you. We said you're saints, but now the evidence of your sainthood is proven through your continuing in His Word, and you'll be faith, becoming a faithful servant. Let me give you some scripture now. Here in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, this is what, it is profound. Paul put this, wrote this in his letter. He said, now may the God of peace himself. This is his word. Sanctify you completely. I, I, I just love this. Look what he said. May the God, who is he? He's the God of peace. And just in case you miss it, himself. Sanctify you, separate you, set you apart, not just partially, but completely. Complete separation, so that now you are exclusively His. But God ain't through. The Word ain't through there. Then He goes on to say, may your whole, may your whole spirit, and you can put the word whole again, and your whole soul, your mind, will, and emotions, your whole spirit, your whole soul, and here's the other part, and your whole body, 
your body, this, this earth suit that you wear, that your whole body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when the Lord returns, what are you doing? You have been separated. You've been set apart for God's exclusive use so that when He returns, He will find you directed towards His objectives. And uh, I would say, even though you're not perfect yet, you see, your aim, your, 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 your desire, your ambition is directed towards perfection. That's why I said, set your sights on things above where Christ dwelleth, you see, because even though you've not arrived there as of yet, but the dissatisfaction within your heart is that there is a target that is before you that you're reaching towards. As you forget about, as you forget those things which are behind. So he says, then he goes on to say, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, when he shows up, he will find you desirous of his return. You are anxious for his return. Why? Because you know that when he returns, you will be completely perfected. Because when he comes, you will see him as he is, and you will be like him. And then he says, he who calls you is faithful. <laughs> he who calls you is faithful. In other words, he's faithful to carry out whatever he set out to accomplish. The Lord is faithful. In other words, Lord, it's saying in essence that the Lord is not going to stop doing what he's doing. He's not going to fall short of what he has set out to accomplish within you. In other words, he's going to stay in your mess. He's going to keep on messing with you. <laughs> you say, well, I can't get away with anything. You know why? Because you're saints. You say, everybody else get away with it. They do stuff and don't ever get caught. Why you get caught? You're saints. You don't belong there. I tried that. I tried that after I got filled with the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to go out back out there because I'm tired of this stuff. I'm tired of uh, of trying to live for the Lord and, and lonely and, you know, friends gone. I said, well, let me just get on back out there and, 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 and see what I can do or, what, or do what I'm accustomed to doing. And, and, and folks looked at me and said, you don't belong here. <laughs> you don't belong here. And I just felt like a lost ball in high weeds because I was in the wrong place doing what I had grown accustomed to do, but I didn't realize that a change had occurred within me, so I didn't fit in that environment anymore. And that's what it says. So, so when you're a saint, even if you don't act like a saint, you're acting out of character. Are you hearing me now? You're out of character. So he says, so he who has called you is faithful to you, who will also do it. Let's read another scripture here. Jude. Jude. The, what chapter? <laughs> Jude 2, <laughs> verse 2. Jude, a bondservant, uh, Jude 1 and 2. Jude, Jude a bondservant of Jesus, of, Je of Jesus Christ and brother James. Watch what it says. To those who are called. Now, that's the same thing. Those who are called. It says, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Now, now he, he, he's qualifying 
the saint. He said, first of all, you are the called. You see, then he says, you are sanctified by God the Father. I, I'm going to bring all this, some other scriptures to support this, but you're sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. He's kept to you. He says to you, mercy and peace and love. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied in you. He says, so now I want the character that, uh, that, that is of Christ to be multiplied within you. Now, I'm getting there. I want you to see the process. You see, we've given you the, the finished product. We've shown you the end result. Now, let's look at the process. How do you get you? How do you get there? How do you move from where you were to where God would have you to be? You go to Acts chapter 3. I love this scripture. I love this scripture. Acts chapter 3, verse 18. But you have to read the whole of chapter 3 to get a clear understanding of it. But I'm just going to start at verse 18. At 18, he says, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets. When he says foretold, we're talking about when you read, when you search the scriptures, you think you have eternal life, but they are they that testify of me, the volume of the books are about me. That's what Jesus Christ said of himself. Now he says, those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. He has already, in Christ, all of the prophecies were fulfilled, the things that he would suffer. So at the end of all he had to endure, he was preparing the way for us to receive all that God has to offer. Is that making sense? See, the sufferings of Christ were preparations to receive what God has to offer us. He says, so now, since that has occurred, you see, in other words, the Lord took the initiative to prepare the way for us. In other words, you did nothing in and of yourself to make it happen. The Lord paid it all. He did it all. It is complete. The work is finished. Jesus did it all. He says, so now here we stand with a complete work accomplished through Jesus Christ. But here's our position here. He says, all you got to do is repent. <laughs> all you do is repent. He said, now, metanoia, all you do is turn away from the direction that you were once facing and turn towards the one who has completed the assignment. He says, I want you to turn in his direction so that you can take full advantage of his provision. He says, so repent. So repent, therefore, and, and, and that's your part. Repent, therefore. Repent, therefore. In light of what God has done, repent. He says, and watch what God does. He ain't finished. He provided for you. He set everything in place for you to take advantage of his provisions. He says, but he ain't through. He says, if you repent, it says, and be. He didn't say convert yourself, but be converted. Be converted. Be converted. That's God's part. He says, when you, the provisions have made, you repent, God finishes it by converting you. He says, so you be converted. And, and, and then when you're converted, let's look at the benefits. Let's look at the, uh, the benefits of conversion, the results of conversion. He said, that your sins may be blotted out. Now, let's go back and look at sin again. What is sin? Sin is missing the mark. Sin, the wages of sin is death. 
In other words, death rules and death reigns because of sin. If you get rid of sin, guess what? You receive eternal life. Do you see that now? So the, the, I would say the thing that stands between us, life, our life, our life and death, the thing that stands with life and death is sin. He says, so now, he says, I'll get rid of the thing that produces life within you, that, that destroys life within you. The thing that destroys life within you, I'll get rid of it. He said, your sins will be blotted out. In other words, you're no longer guilty. Your sins will be blotted out. He said, he said and when your sins have been blotted out, then you can take hold of all the provisions that God has made for you as a saint. <laughs> as a saint. In other words, it's as if you never sinned. He said, your sins are blotted out. In other words, he take a big, giant eraser and just get rid of all that foolishness in your life as if it never, ever existed. Can you ever, can you imagine something like that? That not only the sins of the past, the sins of the present, as well as the sins of the future. He gets rid of all of it. He says, I, I, it's as if you never sinned because you're directed towards a great objective. You repent. Now, understand, repentance is not just a once and for all thing. I repent, and then when God reveals to me through his word, we understand the deliverance comes through his word. He begins to direct certain things to our attention, show us certain things that we still must overcome. Our minds have not been thoroughly, thoroughly renewed. The power has been released for you to overcome, but the mind has not been thoroughly removed. I mean, completely renewed. He says, so now when he reveals, he's ready. I said, whenever God reveals, he deals. He says, I'm going to show you that the power that saved you is the same power that can bring you to the place of overcoming. Whatever those challenges, whatever those situations may reside, may still reside within your life. I have the power to free you from whatever it is, whatever it is. So now understand, that takes it beyond this whole thing of mental ascent or psychological uh, uh, stuff, but now you're at a place where you're relying upon the power of God. I mentioned the other day we were having a family meeting, and I said, anytime we deal with science, it's a matter of supporting what God himself is able to do. Medicine can't even heal you. Healing must come from God. And we can't put anything on the same level of God. When we do it, that's idolatry. Let me go on. I ain't going to, you know. Now, let's go. Look here. So, he says, he says here that repentance, so your sins may be uh, gotten rid of. He says, so now your sins are blotted out. And when your sins, and then he says, watch here. Now we get to seasons. That times are seasons of refreshing. We talked about seasons the other day, times and seasons. So that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The, the seasonal blessings, the seasonal blessings of God, there are times when it's easier to see God move. That's why I talked about the miracles last week, the, the things that's happening in life. But, but understand, what we are believing God for is a seasonal change to occur among us. But we must be on the same page. We must, you see, it is the word that arrests us to bring us to that place. When, when, we, when we're obedient to the word of God, let me put it this way. 
There are many people that don't understand why it's important that we gather together. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together in the matter some is. And then it says, all the more when you see that they're approaching. Now, you say, well, you're just trying to get folks to come to church. You're just trying to fill up shares. You want to you look good. No, you're misreading me, and you're misreading God. You see, you're missing the point. You understand what's happening? When we get on one accord in one place. Oh, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. One accord. What? In one place. Suddenly, one accord, one place, suddenly. What's missing? We are one accord, not in one place. No, you're not in one accord. One accord, one place, suddenly. One accord, one place, suddenly. The suddenness of God is a season, is a seasonal shift, a seasonal change that occurs among the people of God because we align ourselves with the will of God. Our desire and passions become one and the same. I'm allowing the Word of God to transform my life so that He is Lord over my life. My time don't even belong to me. We mentioned everything in the world is pressing you away from that which God has ordained. The systems of this world. In other words, you, you will, your excuses appear to be legitimate. It's something there to support it, but God is saying He's ready. If you're ready for a new season, you have to let the Word of God do a miracle within your life so that you overcome whatever the resistance or reluctances may be. Now, I'm not just going to harp on that because I want you to see the whole picture here. He says, so times are seasons of refreshing. Where are they coming from? They come from the presence of the Lord. They come from the presence of the Lord. The Holy Spirit will visit us with that which comes down from above. Can you imagine that? You imagine that? You want to see a visitation. You want to see God show up and show out. You let this happen. Then the pres- that God sends that which comes from His presence. Can you imagine that? And it comes down to us. Heaven comes down. You see, let thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. We're praying that heaven will come down to earth, that heaven will kiss the earth, that, that the power of heaven will manifest upon the earth. That's what we believe in God for. To say, Lord, I want you to show up. He said, but there are seasons there are seasons. That, that always bothered me because I figure that, that uh, when we have this, that we've had them. If I had not tasted of the goodness of the Lord, I probably would have fainted. That's what Scripture said. If I had not seen God move mightily, I just wonder how much of it I might be, be, not believe. But when I've seen the hand of God moving mightily among us, I don't care how many years it was. If God did it then, I know He can do it now. I'm just convinced of that. I've seen too much. Over my 70-some years, I've seen too much of God's. We we were singing about it. I've seen too much of God's goodness. I've seen too much of God's mercy. I've I've experienced too much of God's power to deny or ignore the fact that He's able to do what He alone is able to do. 
But my thing is that I want you to experience what I've experienced. I want you to be invited into this experience so that you can participate in that which God has made available to all of us. But the value of the Word of God does not hold the same level in everybody's life as other things. I said, look, man, if y'all knew. That's what Jesus Christ said, even when he talked to the woman uh, of Samaria, the whale. He said, if you knew the gift of God. <laughs> and I would say that to people that might just take this as a sermon or, or look at you or me as just somebody that's just, just giving some kind of lip service. He said, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's speaking to you, you would have more questions than answers. You see, right now you have all the answers, but you would have more questions than answers. You see, there's something about the anointing of God. There's something about the anointing of God. I, I, I would venture to say that when we come into the sanctuary of the Lord, you see, there are things that God revealed to us. There's the honesty and openness of emotions and, and transparency that takes place within our lives. But then there's also the anointing that you bring into this experience. This that is happening would not happen this way unless you were part of it. You brought something with you. Do you realize? I'm just a speaker. I'm just a spokesperson. God used me. I'm the gift of God. But, but, but the gift operates because of gifts. You see, in other words, the Lord said, I'm going to feed y'all what you need. I'm going to give you what you've been seeking after. But I'll just have a mouthpiece, a spokesperson that will be used by me, but is really speaking the sentiments of your hearts. It is your passion and desire that draws out of the gifted one so that you're postured to receive what you really need from the Lord. Are you hearing this? But, but if you don't have the desire, passion, or the wherewithal to desire or, or to seek that, you'll never find it. You'll never find it. You'll, ever, you'll be ever searching but never come to the knowledge of truth or repentance. You'll always be looking for something that you never find. And you'll say, I want to know what love is. Somebody tell me. I want to know what, it's, what it is. I want to know what it's like. I want to, yeah, yeah, that's the pursuit of the person that wanders apart from desiring to know the source of love. Let me go on here. He says that conversion will take place, seasons of refreshing will happen. They come from the presence of the Lord. And then he says, but then there'll come a time, it leads to something much greater. It leads to his return. He said, then he will send Jesus who was preached to you before. I think we're closer to his return than we've ever been before. If you listen to the past messages, I've been talking about what's happening in the Middle East, all the signs, the fig tree blooming and blossoming, the olive tree. We begin to see all the things that's happening within culture, what's happening in Jerusalem, what's happening with all the nations and uh, all of that. What's happening right here in America, there are signs all around us. Uh, you see, I, 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 want, I would have continued on that vein, but the Lord is saying that even with that information I mentioned before, I'm not here merely to report to you the activities that's going on around us. I'm here to prepare you, help you become prepared uh, 
So when these things occur, you're, uh, you're waiting for them, and you're, you're, you're saying, even so, come, Lord Jesus. You're desirous of his return. So therefore, you say, I do both. I have to tell you about the times, but I have to also engage in helping you become prepared for the times in which you're living. He said, I'm going to send Jesus. So in other words, that will not be a time of refreshing. That will be a perpetual refreshing. I love that. Listen to what he said. He said, every day will be like the first day. Can you imagine that? Every day, will, every day will be like the first day. In other words, heaven, when Jesus comes, every day will be fresh. It will always be, it will be as fresh. Think about the marriage supper of the Lamb. When, no, let's look at it this way. Remember you that's married, the day you were married. When the bride came down this aisle and, 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 and you, were, you were standing there waiting on that door to open up. And they, she didn't even, you're looking, trying to see if she's out there, and she's not even out there yet. And your heart is throbbing. Uh, I see y'all, I see y'all. Heart's throbbing. You, you say, boy, I'm really about to get married. I'm really about to get married. Then all of a sudden, the door opens up. The person with the little bell running down the aisle, the bride is coming, the bride is coming, the bride is coming. Where is she? Where is she? And then all of a sudden, the music changed, and here she comes, stepping on that. That, that runway in. She walked down the aisle and what I usually do, look over at you, look at the guy standing there. And sometimes I have to wipe my own eyes and say, boy, he is tore up. <laughs> but, but, but at that moment, at that moment, she is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life. Can you attest to that, man? Some of y'all saying, yeah. Some of y'all saying, some of y'all, some of y'all. But she's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Can you imagine that excitement and enthusiasm remaining every day? <laughs> Should I close? Should I shut it down? <laughs> but 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 that's what that's what we're talking about. It will be as fresh as it was. His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. It will be as if you're seeing your bride or your bride is seeing the groom for the very first time. He said, this will be not a time refreshing. It will be Jesus Christ whom was preached to you before, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. In other words, he's going to bring spiritual, spiritual, the spiritual having control over natural things. What I mean by that is not saying you take over government, you take over this, take over that. No. Look at Paul. Paul said, everybody in this ship is given to me. He said, yeah, I, I'm, not the, I'm not the captain of the ship. And he said, I'm not navigating, but everybody in this ship is under my charge. Why? Because I have authority in heaven. I can speak a word, and the word that I speak is supported by the one that has that's made all things. Oh, that's what you talk about. You see, when he talks about that restoration that's taking place, God has given us authority, and that authority is going to be recognized. There will be a day when the words that you're hearing today will be taken seriously. 
And people will come to the place of realizing how needful that message really is. Because for the most part, they say a sermon is a sermon, church is a church. It doesn't matter who you go along. A religion is religion. No matter where you go, who you listen to, it doesn't make any. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter. The thing that matters is that you serve something and somebody. I've learned when people talk like that, shut up sometimes because they ain't ready for this. See, there are certain things. A certain. You see, God has to prepare the heart as He did with Lydia to receive the word. And if the heart is not prepared, you try to give something that people had not been prepared to receive, you're going to engage in an argument, and you're wasting time, and it's going to aggravate folk rather than help them. Am I making sense? So what do you do? You step away and pray. Say, Lord, prepare their hearts. Prepare their hearts. Let me go on. Let me go on. Let me go on. He says, so Jesus is going to show up, what was preached before, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. He said, the power of God establishes it is power established among his people, which God has spoken, even again by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. We understand the holy prophets spoke of the coming of the Lord, but the holy prophets also spoke of the second coming of the Lord. They also said he's coming again. And just like the things spoken beforehand occurred, you best believe the things that's spoken concerning these times will also occur. But how does it all happen? There must be a change in the center of our being. Change. In other words, when you come to church, don't leave your heart behind. Don't leave your heart behind. We said, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Don't leave your heart behind. When you come to church, bring your heart with you. Bring your heart with you. Bring your heart. In other words, I want my heart to align with the word I'm hearing. I want what God is saying to enter into my heart so that I would not sin against him. Because if it don't go deep enough within me, guess what? No change has occurred, but hardening takes place. The heart becomes hardened as a result of having hurt. You see, the more you resist, the harder your heart becomes. He says, so I want, you see, but the day you hear it, he says, I want that heart to be penetrated, pierced and penetrated by the word. So he wants that word to get inside of you so that word can begin to do a work within you. He says, so now we talk about it. There are many things that matter, but we must embrace the thing that matters the most. We mentioned even on Thanksgiving, I said, if we're giving thanks, who are we thanking? What's more important, the turkey that's, that's in the oven or the God who made the turkey? Am I making any sense here? I said, if I'm going to give thanks, where am I giving thanks? I said, look, we got, we got to give thanks unto the Lord. You see, I'm not just giving thanks. I thank God for you. Said, I thank God for you, and I thank God for you. I thank God for you. I thank God for family. I thank God for friends. I thank God for, for, for jobs. I thank God for, for, for car, house. Thank God that we have peace. That's all that's good and well and good. But then I look up and I said, now, why do all these things exist? So before I get involved in all that, I thank God for Jesus. And since I thank God for Jesus, guess what I'm going to do? Lord, I worship so I can appreciate rightly 
those things that God has provided. I cannot appreciate things rightly until I get to the place of thanking the God who provided all those things that I, in this day and hour, have the opportunity to enjoy. So I thank God for Jesus. I thank God for Jesus. And understand, another thing too, the efforts of thanking God, worshiping God, and being in position must be intentional. It must be deliberate. It must be deliberate and intentional. It won't just happen. You know, you know, we get to a place where you want to clean the house. You say, boy, I got so much work to do, I don't even know where to begin. Oh, wake up next day. Oh, I got so much work to do. I got so much work to do. I got to cook. I got to clean. You wear yourself out worrying about all the things you have to do and find yourself so tired at the end of the day that you get nothing done. Oh, oh. Did I say something? <laughs> the point I'm making here is that oftentimes we keep saying, I, I, got, to, I, got, I got to worship God. Oh, I worship God in my own way. Oh, God knows my heart. You follow me? These excuses. These excuses. These excuses. These excuses. But when we become intentional, we put forth effort to move in that direction. We make commitments. We, you said at the end of the year, folk will make New Year's resolutions. We make commitments to God. We consecrate ourselves. We dedicate ourselves. Our behavior shifts. Our behavior changes. We had a place where we become intentional and deliberate in our actions. We act upon what we believe. And until we become people of action, it's only wishful thinking. We become people of action. I act upon what I believe. So now, understand the actions or, or the efforts are deliberate, and then the change will not occur until those actions are deliberate because God will not work against your will because your will is still in the way, you see. Now, now we go back to conversion again. His nature is different from our nature. You see, his nature is different from our nature. If his nature is different, therefore, he is receptive to things that the natural or carnal would not fully understand. You don't understand it. See, the nature causes what he does to be, you see, it, it causes what he does to be natural because it flows through him. You see, now, now what, let, let me just break that down. What happens, you see, that which flows through Christ, but then that which flows through us. You see, when we are spiritual, the spiritual man, you see, that which is of God flows through us. It flows through him. See, God doesn't have to try to love. He is love, you see. He ain't got to try to, I got to love you. I got to, I, I got to, I got to commit to loving you. He ain't got to do that. <laughs> he is love. It just exudes out of his person. But then when we are uh, born of God and we received his spirit now, there's something about us, too. You're out of character when you don't love. That's the mind renewal that had not occurred as of yet. You see, now what are you doing? Your focus is upon who you used to be rather than who you are. So it doesn't flow. It's at all to flow. But, but, but understand, that's where we consecrate ourselves. We set ourselves apart for God's exclusive use through word and prayer. I'm hearing the word of God, and I'm praying so that that which is of God can flow through me without fleshly interferences. 
because my mind, I got to get my thoughts out of the way. I got to get my reasoning, my rationale out of the way. Because every time I, I, you see, let me put it this way. I've seen people get saved, and then they go home and think about it. <laughs> Am I making sense here? They get saved. They give their life to, the Word of God is, is, is powerful. The Word of God is dynamic, and, and, and the Word of God is there to trust. And then they go home, and they think, what did I, what did I say? What did I do? Oh, I just caught up in the moment. I was just caught up in the moment. And guess what? The enemy comes immediately and takes everything you heard out of you. He robbed you of everything you've received. But, but understand what happens. If we get to the place where we begin to allow that word to take root, then that which is of God flows out of us. It flows out of us. You don't even got to work at it. You, you say, well, I, would, I, 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 I remember a time when I couldn't love this way. I remember a time I, would, I, I, I had a habit that I just couldn't overcome. I just did it without second thought. I mean, I had to have this. I had to have that thing. I just had to have these people around me. I had to do these particular things. But now, that's what happened to me. It just fell away. Because what is in me flowing out of me. Not that I'm perfect now. Some stuff I still got to fight and struggle with. But it flows out of me. I used to, even in ministry, I used to work on one message. Uh, I, I would stay up all night long and then get up early in the morning, stay up all day long, uh, <laughs> working on one, one little message. But now, you understand, I tell you, you, we preach from the overflow. Now, when that which is of God flows through us, we preach from the overflow of our hearts. It's that which comes out of us as a result of the position. And I said, well, Lord, I would say, give them what they need. Give them what they need. This is what I prepared, but give them what they need, not what I prepared. Let me go on. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. In fact, I'm almost done. Look at here. Look at here. He sets and said, we talk about consecration. We talk about being intentional. We talk about the nature of man. Here's a scripture to back it all up. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. However, we speak wisdom. We speak wisdom. Now, listen to this. We speak wisdom. Paul was saying, now, what do you want? Uh, uh, you see, get wisdom. And all that getting, get understanding. However, we speak wisdom. But you have to grow to a level where the wisdom of God becomes sensible to you in the mind. You see, God has already given you. I, I, that's always a, 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 like a paradox. He says, it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. If it's been given to me, then I don't have to struggle at trying to understand it. But he says, it's been given to you, but you still don't understand it. But it's yours. It's yours. He says, so now he says, I will speak, we speak wisdom, but we speak wisdom now, the wisdom that you can relate to because within you, you have the Spirit of God to receive that wisdom. But we speak it among those who are mature. Now we talk about the transmission of wisdom and the receptivity of wisdom. You see, when you send a radio signal, there has to be a transmission and a receiver. He said, now you have a receiver so that the wisdom of God can reach its target. He says, among those who are mature. The more you mature in the things of God the more receptive you are to the Word of God. That's why we ain't talking baby talk to you. You've been around too long. 
But we have babies among us. Well, help me with the babies. We need some nursery workers. We need some, we need some people that can help with the change some diapers and the like. We need that among us. But I'm feeding you so you can change some diapers. Don't make me change the diaper. Y'all change diapers. I'll change a diaper if I have to. But I think it's enough of us to change diapers, don't you think? Spiritually, I'm speaking spiritually now. Now he says, I speak wisdom, we speak wisdom, we speak to those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age. We ain't telling you what you're accustomed to. We're not saying what you would like to hear us say. Nor are the rulers of this age, because look at their outcome, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. A mystery is a hidden truth, but it's not hidden from you. It's hidden for you. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. And he says, which none of these potentates, rulers of this age knew. Well, if they had known they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. you got to pay attention to what he's saying. The Lord of glory. The Lord of completion. The Lord who brings, culminates all things. All things come together. That's glory. He says, so now, look what happens. So leadership without spirit. Leaders without the spirit of God. Leaders without understanding the ways of God crucify the Lord of glory. In other words, they cut off their nose to spite their face. It is counterproductive. They work against themselves. Either you're for me or against me. So what am I saying? Religiosity works against spirituality. I didn't say religion now because religion is a proper pra practice of a particular thing. It can be good or bad. But when you practice it regularly, that's religion. He says, so now, he says, they crucify the Lord of glory. And he says, he said, because, you see, it was, speaking, it was given or ordained before the ages for our glory, but now they've crucified the Lord of glory. Did you see those as they tied together? He said, uh, uh, he said, but as it is written, he go back to the scripture, I has not seen, neither ear heard, nor have entered into the heart, we talk about heart, of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him, who agape him. Now he speaks of God's godly love, who love him the way he loves us. He said, but God has revealed them to us, How? Through his spirit. He has made known to us by spirit, through his spirit. He, why? Because the spirit has knowledge of all things. But when he says searches all things, he is saying, it didn't say the process of searching. It is saying, is, is using language that we can relate to. Uh, the, the, the deep word on that is anthropomorphic terms. Talking about theologians over here. And so when he talks about anthropomorphic anthropomorphic terms is using language, human language, to, to, to convey to us a spiritual truth. He says that the Spirit of God 
has knowledge of all things, but in our vernacular, the way we think of it, is searching. To have knowledge provides, I mean, it requires search and research. So all the, I can't wait to get to that next week, I guess be next week. But, but, but the research that we do, the, the, the examinations, the desperations that we are engaged in scientifically, the Lord already has knowledge of all that stuff. <laughs> you see, he has knowledge of all that. He doesn't have to go through that process. <laughs> he has knowledge of all things. He has knowledge of all things. And, and he says, yes, not only that, but the deep, heavy things of God. We talk about heavy, you, the weight of glory. Whenever you see that word uh, uh, glory, you talk about weight, weight, heavy, the eternal weight of glory. He said he understands the deep things of God. And, and, and that's what I want you to understand, how God will take us into the word and take us deep. He takes us into a level beyond the surface. I, I, let me put it this way, and I, I know my time is gone, but look here. I would like to go to a doctor that continued to study medicine. Am I making sense here? I'd like to go to a doctor that continued to study medicine and don't give me some archaic formulas that worked in 1959. Because he's an old doctor, and he said he worked for me, I'm going to give you some quinine. But, you know, later discoveries have shown that this is not the cure for certain things that's happening. They got better medicine that has come up over a period of time that can be used to remedy. Coal oil, tar, coal tar. That's why I used to say coal tar and sugar. <laughs> you say, but, but there's something better than that now. So, but you want a doctor that stay up to date in his practice so that he is... He is giving you the latest, the latest cure, or he's, provide, he's prescribing you medicines that's up to date. Not always is that healthy. I understand. It could be, it could be for uh, financial, you know, you, we ain't going to get into that today, but it could be for financial reasons because you understand pharma, you know, and all that, uh, how, how people can use it to manipulate rather than cure. But, but, but the point I'm making here is that you want people to stay up to date. So when it comes to the things of God, why not have the same thing? Why not practice the same thing? You want someone that will explore the deep things of God, but yet not get into all these metaphysical explorations and the arts, of the dark arts, but to understand the things of God that's being made available to us so that you get a deeper a more comprehensive understanding of how all these things come together. You see that? So, so the Spirit already knows it, but he, let's go to that now. He said he searches the deep things of God, but understand what he does. He reveals those deep things to those who are interested in more than that than, uh, baby need a new pair of shoes. Uh, they got a light bill due. How are we going to pay our rent, all our money spent? Jesus is going to work it out. He's working it out. You get a shout and a dance, and we had a good time. No, I want to know that God is more than that surface stuff. It says, so that for who or what man know the things of God or things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? 
That's a rhetorical question. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. That's why you're here. These things we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches. Now, if you want that kind of education, only the wisdom that man's wisdom teaches, then go to the finest university and find salvation. <laughs> go to school and get saved. He says, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. How is that? Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Spiritual things with spiritual. So now we're the things of God with spiritual and understanding the dynamics of the spirit. But the natural man does not receive. Did you hear that? But, but, but. Why is he rejected? Because he has not received the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. And I'm speeding on now, because I could give you commentary on all this, but I'm not going to do it. But he who is spiritual judges all things. That's discernment. Those who are spiritual have a higher degree of discernment. You can see through stuff. You can see the end of all things. You understand how it all works. He said, yet he himself is not rightly judged, is rightly judged by no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord, but that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. We have it. But let this mind be in you. That's in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're showing us. Our desire and passion is to grow in grace and the knowledge of who you are. May we not get to the place of, of atrophying, get to the place of, of leveling off and think that we've arrived because of little knowledge that puffs up so many. But Lord, may we understand how love edifies. So in this, we want to know what it means to love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And to understand what it means since you've set us apart as saints to function as such. So with this, Lord, we give you the honor. We give you the praise. And we give you all the glory for who you are. Lord, I pray that what we, what we are learning and what we are getting to know, that it can be conveyed through us so that others may know through us who you are and what you're all about. We don't want to be selfish. We don't want to be at a place where your love is not being spread abroad in our hearts, but we want it to be spread abroad in our hearts by sharing this and understanding that the truth spoken is love shared. So in this, we give you the honor, we give you the praise, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name.